0: Welcome to Weird Church. We're glad to have you here. This is park view. If you're wondering what's going on um, out there with all the boxes and everything and uh, that thing back there in the back of the auditorium, we're getting ready to reorganize uh, things a little bit to get more chairs in because um, I can't get you to leave the 11 o'clock service. So I'm just going to put more chairs in here. Um, we're going to move the soundboard down to uh, that so that you can get a better sound balance from back there. And that's going to free up those premium seats right there. Those are going to go for a very, very high price. This, uh, the box seats up there. And, uh, and then we're putting in attached theater seats like we got up there down here. So we're going to be able to actually get about 250 more chairs in this auditorium by restructuring the way that things are going. So it's going to be great. You can start inviting friends to come again. We'll try to find room for them. We're going to do all that stuff. Okay. Uh, we're doing this weird church thing. Let's take a test, okay? You're sitting in a car that's moving at a, at a, at a very average speed, constant speed. And beside you on the left is an abyss, okay? And to your right, you have a fire engine that's keeping the same pace as you as you're going. In front of you is a giant pig, big as your car. Behind you is a helicopter at the same height as you are following exactly behind you. The giant pig and the helicopter are going at the same speed as you. What should you do? You should get down from the merry-go-round and leave it to the children. That's what you should do. But doesn't life feel like that sometimes? Don't you feel like what in the world is going on? Why am I doing this wrong? What is, why is life not working? Why is there a giant pig? I have all those questions in my life. The merry-go-round is what's normal, isn't it? We get in and we're just normal, and normal's not working anymore. So we're talking about how to be weird. I uh, recently turned 50. I married off a kid. I got a kid that's in Bolivia for six months. I got a, my last one left. and went to California for college, so the nest is empty. My dog died. Luckily, my truck started this morning, or I would be a country song waiting to happen, wouldn't I? I mean, just all these things going on in my life. You know, a lot of them are good, but but there's a lot of introspection. And so I've come back to, who do I want to be for the next 50 years of my life? And, And what kind of church do I want to lead the next 50 years of my life? We're going to put more seats in, but what kind of people do I want you to be? And your friends and those family that don't have a church home that are needing a place. Who are we going to be known as? What is Parkview going to be known as as we go into the next part of my life and in the next part of our life as we move through the 21st century? found this book. We're almost out of them again. Uh, a lot of you are reading this really good book called Weird by Craig Groeschel. And I thought, you know what? That works. Let's just do this. Let's be weird. Because we start off with the teachings of Jesus, and Jesus' teachings are very weird. There, Jesus says basically there are two roads, and there is one road that's less traveled. That, that was originally Jesus all the way back in the day. He says there's one road that leads to life and one road that leads to destruction. He says in, in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many people find that. That's the road to destruction. That's what Jesus said. There's a lot of people that are on that road. That's normal. What is normal for us? Normal in the world is broke. Normal is overwhelmed. Normal is divorced. Normal is spiritually bankrupt. But Jesus said, I've got good and bad news in, in regards to normal. The good news is, there is a weird road... And it's out there, and that road leads to life. The bad news is, very few people find it. Small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. That's what Jesus said. We find this all throughout Scripture, this, this choice that we have to, to make on uh, two different ways to go. In Deuteronomy, I was just reading in my own Bible study this week, it said, Acknowledge and take heart to this day that the Lord is God in heaven and on the earth below, and there is no other. Keep His decrees and His commands. Why? Because God's this big killjoy up in heaven because God doesn't want you to have any fun because God wants to be a control freak. Is that why? No, he says, keep his decrees and his commands which I'm giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that you may live long in the land the Lord God gives you for all time. The reason that we follow this road is because it leads to life. Not because God wants us to figure everything out and try to be like this perfect person, this perfect child. It's because as a parent, He wants us to not run out into the street. And there's a good reason for that. Because out in the street is destruction. And if you follow His plan, it is life. That's the way it is. And so we're going to talk today about weird desires. First week was just weird in a God way, the second week was weird money, last week my friend Daryl came and did a great job talking about weird relationships, and today we're going to talk about weird desires. Because if I'm guessing, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'm guessing that all of us would probably say we've done or said something that we wish we hadn't. And we've gotten ourselves in trouble. Is any, any, anybody not in that category? Okay, I mean, we've all done this, right? Everybody's done that. We've all done or said something because we gave into our desires and we allowed the wrong thing to happen because we gave in. We were impetuous. I, that's, that's my word. That's my middle name. You thought it was Lee. It's not. It's impetuous. Timothy Impetuous Harlow. That's what, that's what they called me. Oh, that looks like fun. Boom, I'm in trouble, right? Redneck's famous last words. Hey, you guys, watch this, right? That's, that's it. Or hold my beer. Watch this. One of the two, okay? I, I can't tell you how many times I've done stupid things because I gave in to my desires impetuously. Impetuous actions, impetuous spending, impetuous anger. Well, I've just got a temper. No, I'm an idiot. That's the problem. Okay? Impetuous. If you're taking notes, this is our key thought. We've been using for this series. If you want what normal people have, this is what Groeschel says, if you want what normal people have, you should do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, you've got to do what few people do. What do few people have? Peace, joy, contentment, right? I mean, when's the last time you said, hey, how you doing? And somebody said, oh, man, I'm great. I'm just chill, bro. I'm happy. This is all good. I mean, somebody that wasn't on drugs, when's the last time you asked them that, right? No, what happens? You ask people, how are you doing? They're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good, but I'm busy, right? Or I'm stressed, or wow, blah, blah. That's what's going on in my life. That's normal, right? Blah, is normal. That's the way it is, okay? Normal is, is not happening. It's not working. What few people have is joy and peace and contentment and money in the bank and a 50-year marriage and kids who love them right? I mean that that's what weird people are looking for. And you can see this all throughout the Bible. You go throughout the Bible and you see this over and over again. That's why I love the Bible. It's very very honest. Your very first people in the Bible, Adam and Eve, right? God sets them in the garden. He says, "Hey, Here's the deal, I want you to love me so the only way you can have choice to love me is uh, I'm going to give you all this other stuff, you know, this whole orchard, you're going to have all these other things, but, but there's this one tree that I really want you to not eat from, okay? And that's your choice to love me. Just don't eat from that and you're choosing to love me and we've got a relationship. So what happens? Weird desires, right? Normal desires, I should say. Normal desires kick in and the serpent comes along and he says, hey, look at that pomegranate or that apple or whatever it was. We don't know what it was. Well, look at that beautiful fruit. Wouldn't that be great? And Eve says, yeah, it would be. And Adam says, yeah, it would be. And they eat the fruit. They give into their desires and they blow it for the rest of us. They bring in sin and death and disease and pain. And all those things happen because Pandora's box has been opened. And now we're in this crummy, imperfect world. I mean, go throughout the Bible. Pick a leader, Moses. Was Moses impetuous? Did he give in to his desires? Yeah, there was some Egyptian guy that was, you know, cut him off in traffic or something, and so he got road rage and he killed the guy and he buried him. And, and he had to run off for 40 years and run away from it before he could come back and lead God's people. King David, he's looking off the side of his roof one day and he sees this other woman and he says, I, I, I wanna go uh, uh, all the way. Eh, eh. It's in the literal Hebrew, only very few people know that. And, 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 and he gives in, he takes out his freak tonight, right? And he gives in to his desires. And what happens? He blows the whole thing. I mean, this is what happens over and over and over again in the Bible. People give in to their desires. They give in to their normal desires and it blows it later on. The Bible lumps everything into three categories of sin. King James called it the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Here it is in the New International. Do not love the world or anything in the world. For anyone who loves the world... And the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, those three categories, it doesn't come from the Father, it comes from the world. That's normal. The world and its desires pass away. Normal destruction. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. Road that leads to life. You see that? Over and over and over again. There's the world. It's destruction. It passes away. There's the will of God. Lives forever. That's weird. That's the road less traveled. Okay, That's what we're looking at. That's what we're trying to do. Because the normal desires, they're not working anymore. Andy Stanley says it this way. Normal people trade the ultimate for the immediate. That's the problem when it comes to our desires. Normal people trade the ultimate for the immediate. I'm going to credit Andy because I took a whole bunch of stuff from this story that he's getting ready to tell us about Jacob and Esau in a great sermon that he did. And he talks about the three things about our appetites or our desires that we need to know. The first one is God created our appetites. Okay, They're all usually really good. Our appetite for for, uh, significance, our appetites for food, our appetites for intimacy. All those things are really, really good, right? God created them, but sin distorted them. Once Adam and Eve ate the apple, then sin started distorting them, and and the serpent comes along in all of our lives and goes, oh yeah, but this would be better, and that's how normal happens. The second thing is, our appetites are never fully satisfied. I mean, how many times do you see an interview with somebody that's really, really Mongo successful? They just won an Oscar or you know Grammy, or they're 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 this really rich and famous person, and and, and in a, in a in a moment of honesty, they tell a reporter, "Yeah, you know, I thought I was going to have it all, but this doesn't feel like it all." That's because there never is an it all. You're never going to be fully and finally satisfied in your appetites. And the third thing about your desire, your appetite is that it always whispers now and never later. That's the nature of your desire, right? It's always about now and not later. We all know people that have given into the now and blown it with the later, okay? And given up the ultimate for the immediate. If you don't get this right, it's going to affect the rest of your life. If you're constantly being controlled by a little voice that says, you just need a little bit more, or a little voice that says, you just need it now, you'll ultimately experience destruction. Like the guy who took this girlfriend home or this girl home from his very first date, and he's up on the porch, you know, and and he decides to go for the kiss, you know, and he's he's trying to kind of, you know, work his way in, so he does his little thing, and he puts his hand up on the, you know, on the side and kind of leans in and says, Hey, baby, how about a kiss? She's like, no, I'm not kissing you. This is our first day. I'm not, I'm not kissing you. And he said, no, come on, give me a kiss. She says, it's, it's my, my parents will find out. We're on the front porch. I'm not doing it. And they're back and forth. Oh, it's late. I, come on, baby. He just doesn't relent. He just keeps, just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And finally, after this is going on for several minutes, finally the light flips on and the little sister appears in the doorway. Her hair's all disheveled. She's in her PJs and she says, look, dad says, just kiss him. Or I'll kiss him, or if need be, he'll come down and kiss him, but tell him to take his hand off the intercom button. <laughs> yeah Ultimately, it's going to end in destruction, OK? In fact, there, there's this great story Andy Stanley uh, preached this sermon from this, this great story about twins in the Bible. How many of you are twins in here? Anybody? Twins? Okay? Yeah, there's some, okay. Hey. Um, you know, I, these are non identical twins in here, okay? Some of you are probably non identical. Those of you who are old enough, you'll remember a movie with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. That were twins. That's more like the story of Jacob and Esau, okay? One of them got all the brawn and one of them got all the brains, you know, kind of like that old movie. Esau, as a matter of fact, Esau was this outdoorsy guy. He was the Arnold Schwarzenegger guy, he was the hunter, he was the redneck dude. As a matter of fact, Esau's name meant Harry. I mean, not like hairy, but like hairy. Like he had hair all over him. And and I'm sorry for what I'm about to do because you're going to lunch. But ever since I've told that story about Dave Stone getting his back waxed, I've been thinking of this picture and I had to show it to you. (laughs) That's Esau right there, okay? That's Esau right there. That's funny. I don't care what you say. That is funny, right? That's NASCAR, baby. Okay? All right. I'm sorry for that. Jacob, on the other hand. Jacob was a younger brother, and he was kind of a mama's boy, and he liked to stay home and scrapbook and watch Jane Austen movies, okay? That's the difference, okay? Now here we are in Matthew uh, Genesis chapter 25. Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man, staying among the tents, and Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebecca loved Jacob. Great parenting example right there, right? Pick your favorite, okay? But a little more background to this story that's really important is about the birthright. The oldest boy in the family, the way it worked back in that day, the oldest boy in the family was the one who got the birthright. And what did that mean? Well, the birthright meant that you were in charge of the family when your parents were gone, You were the executor of the estate. You were the head of the business at that point. It passed directly on to you. And you got two-thirds of the inheritance, while your little brother got one-third of the inheritance. So that's a pretty big deal, okay? So then there's one day when Esau's out hunting or whatever, and he comes home hungry, and we get to Genesis verse 29 of chapter 25, and Jacob was cooking some stew, and Esau came in from the open country famished. And he said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of that red stew. This is what our desires do for us, right? This is what our appetites do. They're not about later, they're about now. They're not about the ultimate, they're about the immediate. Quick, give me some of that red stew. Jacob said, you know Jacob's jealous he wants the birthright he's not happy that I mean they were twins I mean he just missed it by that much right you know I mean he was just the second one out by that much and he's thinking you know what I want the birthright so he says hey sell me your birthright and Esau says look I'm about to die isn't that awesome you know Can I just ask you, do you think he probably could have lived off his own body fat for like another 30 minutes? I don't know. I'm thinking probably he's not, if he can say it, he's probably not about to die. But that's what our desires, that's what our appetites do to us. They make us think about the immediate and not about the ultimate. That's what happens. And our brains stop working because our appetites are working. And then he asked this really, really stupid question. He says, what good is a birthright to me? I don't know like one-third of the inheritance, like control over the family business, executor of the estate. I mean, are you kidding me? The birthright is everything for a child. What are you talking about? But he says, no, no, I'm so hungry, it doesn't matter. I'm going to die, so the birthright's not going to do me any good because I'm so hungry. So a bowl of stew is more important than my family's inheritance or the family business. So Esau the older brother does about the dumbest thing you ever read about anybody ever doing. He trades the ultimate for the immediate. Verse 33, it says, but Jacob says, swear to me first that you'll give me the birthright. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. And so Esau despised his birthright. We look at that and we say, who would be So dumb that they would trade their birthright for a bowl of stew? And my answer would be a normal person. Because normal people do it every day, don't they? Because they see nothing but this desire, this immediate desire. Each of you can think of people in your lives, maybe it's you, you're thinking about it right now, there was a time in your life, or in your parents' life, or in somebody's life that you know, where they made an immediate decision that derailed the entire rest of their life, because they locked in on a desire, and they forgot about what God really wanted, or what was really important. It could be a woman who says, you know what, these clothes make me feel so good when I buy them, so I'm going to get some shoes, and I'm going to get a purse, and I'm going to get a hair clip. And I'm getting everything to go with it And all of a sudden she wakes up one day And she's in $37,000 worth of credit card debt And she goes how in the world did that happen I'll tell you how that happened One bowl of stew at a time Right Could be the man He really loves his wife He loves his kids He loves God And he's on the computer and he knows he's just one click away from heading down into that lustful pit of pornography and he has a decision to make. But that bowl of stew seems so enticing and so he clicks and he clicks and he clicks and he knows that he loves God and he knows that he loves his family and he knows that he loves his kid. But he gives up the ultimate for the immediate could be that young girl who really wants a godly husband she really wants somebody that that says they love God and she wants to have a godly relationship and she meets this guy and he says he's godly and she thinks he's godly and they're godly together but they get to going and they get making out and they're doing things and he says hey I love you and she says I love you too and he says hey but if you love me you would and she says well wait a minute God says we should wait for marriage to do that that's the way that's supposed to happen and he said oh we're almost married anyway we're gonna get married let's just do it and she gives in and then they break up and she wonders how did this happen and why do I feel like this and it's because she traded the ultimate for the immediate could be a guy who you know didn't grow up with very much and he had Wants to provide for his family and so he goes to work and he works and he works and he works and he provides his family more than he ever had growing up and he provides for his family a big home and lots of cars and lots of toys and lots of fun things, but his kids are in their 20s and they don't know him and they don't even understand who he is and he's wondering how in the world did I get that way? It's because you traded the ultimate for the immediate. You see how that happens? I was at Frank Lloyd Wright's house on Friday. He invited me over and... um, Have you been there? I mean, it's a pretty awesome place. It's a, it's really cool. I've never, I've lived here 21 years, never been to Frank Lloyd Wright Museum down in Oak Park. And it was really, really important to, to see that for me. I mean, I thought it was really cool. But the weird thing was, you know, the, the guides that take you around these places, they are like disciples of the person. You know, they're like the bigger, they're like a fan club. They're, so this is a Frank Lloyd Wright fan club president that's taking me around, showing me all this wonderful stuff that Frank did. But even her when she showed us the pictures of all the kids and how they all turned out, one of his sons is who invented Lincoln Logs. Do you know that? One of the Frank Lloyd Wright's sons. But he, he, he needed to do that because he, he needed the income. Because his dad really didn't support him. Frank Lloyd Wright would never let his kids call him dad. He had very little relationship with his children. I and mean, She admitted to me that he was a loud, lousy dad. He was the greatest architect of all time, but a lousy dad. Ultimate immediate. I mean you see this happen all the time and every time I get into a conversation like this with somebody It's amazing to me when they say you know How could I have traded the ultimate for the immediate the relationship for the accomplishment for a stupid bowl of stew? It's unbelievable as a matter of fact I made up a new word this week okay? I I can do that because I can I made up a new word and um, this is the word that I want you to write down on your credit card I want you to write it down on your computer screen. I want you to write it down next to your television. You might want to get it tattooed on the inside of your arm. This is the only thing you'll ever need to remember for the rest of this sermon. Here it is. You ready for this word? Stupid. That's good, isn't it? How could you do that? Well, I'm stupid. If you you tattooed it right in here, then every time you went to go do something, you go, oh wait, is what I'm about to do stupid? Am I about to trade something really important for a stupid bowl of stew? That's your question. Is what I'm about to be so dumb, is what I'm about to do so dumb that I'm trading my birthright for a bowl of stew? That doesn't make any sense. So i got to ask you, what is your bowl of stew? What is it? I mean, usually there's a there's a desire. I was praying with a guy after the service last night, and it was, it was drugs, it was substances. It's just gotten a hold of him. And you know what it is. You know where that desire is. There's not usually a whole bunch of bowls of stew. There's usually one bowl of stew that it's really easy for you to trade in for the ultimate. And you know what it is, and you're going to short-circuit God's plan for your life. What is it? I mean, maybe it's substances for you. I, I mean, a lot of people are eating or drinking or smoking or shooting up their end of their life. They're giving the end of their life away where they could be raising their grandkids or they could be they could be doing great things for God, but they're not going to be here anymore because of the substances and what's doing to their body. Maybe it's control. Maybe you're a control freak and you just got to be in control of everything and you're alienating everybody else because that's your stew. Maybe it's popularity. I told you that's what it was for me in high school. I didn't want to be weird. I wanted to be normal. So I traded in weird for normal. I traded in the ultimate for the immediate, so that all those people that I could have been an example for Jesus in, they didn't get to see that because I wanted to be—I wanted to be normal. I wanted to be stupid. What, what is your what is your bowl of stew? I got to ask you that. Think about it today. What is it that if it goes unchecked, unmanaged, it's going to mess up the rest of your life? A lot of you guys have seen this. Um, Dennis Rodman's Hall of Fame acceptance piece um, that he did. Um, you know, got inaugurated into the Hall of Fame, and he gets up and he makes this speech, and he basically admits right there in the middle of it that he was stupid. Listen, my uh, my wife, uh, Michelle, she's tolerated everything for me for for 11 years. You know, I haven't been a great father. I haven't been a great husband, and anyway, I think you know, I can't lie about that. And she's a, she's raised two beautiful kids, I mean, three beautiful kids right there. You know, DJ with the hat on, (laughs) Trinity right there, (laughs) and Tiana right there. And she's been a mother and a father. And I've been very much appreciative of what she's done. And I I just wish, I wish, you know, anyone say you have any regrets in your career being a basketball player, I said, I have one regret. I wish I was a better father. <laughs> and they clapped why did they clap because they're happy we're all happy Dennis finally got it figured out I don't know if it's going to change anything but everybody's like yeah dude bunch of championship rings that's immediate raising your kids that's the ultimate normal people are willing to trade the ultimate for the immediate weird people Though they are very different, they live for different values. They know things are going to be different. I'm going to admit something to you. My favorite song out right now is a country song. I'm sorry, but I'm going to admit this to you. Lady Antebellum has a song called "Just a Kiss." You know what I'm saying? Is it? it, it, it and and I'm I mean, Lady Antebellum's not like a Christian group, you know. Their last song was "I'm a Little Drunk and I Need You Now." Okay, that's that group. Okay. <laughs> But even the world is starting to understand this. The whole song is like, hey, this might, be a really, this might be a really important relationship, so how about if we stop at just a kiss? And I'm listening to this and I'm like, wow, even they get it. They really get this. Maybe there is an ultimate that we ought to not trade the immediate for. If Lady Antebellum got it, then maybe we ought to get it. So here's a couple of things that you need to know. Number one, weird people know that later is better than now. I've talked about this, but I want to say it. Later is often better than now. We are not patient people. Back in the old days, if you missed the stagecoach, you said, oh, well, there'll be another one next week, right? But now, if we miss one panel of the revolving door, we're upset. Am I right? If that lane of traffic takes off a little faster than your lane of traffic, you're like, oh, man, I could have been over there. Is that just me? That's that's who we are. And, And listen i, I got to tell you something. Okay, it's everybody. I see that. Wow. I'm sorry. Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs says it's better to be patient than powerful. It's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. All right? Later is better than now. In other words, God may say to you, Hey, I don't, wait. I don't mind if you have some stew, but why don't you just wait for dinner? I mean, what do you think Jacob was making it for? All you had to do was wait for dinner, you know, go get a chicken leg out of the refrigerator and get an apple and eat it and deal with it and wait for the stew at the appropriate time so that you are not stupid. Later is better than now. Let me tell you something, you young people in here, you're going to have a bigger problem with this. You have never not had a microwave, am I right? You know, you you never had to wait on a VCR to even rewind, let alone anything else in, in, in life. You're going to have to grab a hold of this. Sometimes later is better than now. Okay. And number two, and this is what Gail was talking about a little earlier, weird people, they seek God until His desires become their desires. One thing is you've got to wait on your desires until it's the right time for those desires. And the second thing is maybe you need to let your desires become God's desires. Here's what the psalmist said, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. What does that mean? I mean, the, the, the word delight in here is like a pottery term. It's like you're the lump of clay and you're seeking God, you're delighting in God as God is working on you. And what a potter does, if you don't understand this, is he takes this hard lump of clay and he starts putting water on it. And when we delight in the Lord, what we're basically doing is we're going, okay, God, pour some water on me. Oh, that really feels good. You're making me into something else. And he's molding us and he's shaping us into something else. And what is he shaping us into? He's shaping us into a likeness of himself so that his desires become our desires. And that will feel weird to you because we live in this world, because we're worldly people, because we're normal people at first it's going to feel weird to you but as we seek the Lord he's going to give us the desires of our heart that's what it's going to happen okay we seek God first and then all these things will happen all these things will be added to you that's what he says you're no longer living in the lower things of the world you're seeking the upper things of God in his testimony I love the way Paul talks about it in Galatians 5 he says so I say this live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature For the sinful nature is what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit is contrary to the sinful nature. Do you feel this in your life? They are in conflict with each other so that you don't even know what you want. You find yourself in that situation, because I do. I don't even know what I want. I feel like I want stew because I'm about to die. But something in the back of my mind is telling me that there's something greater that the birthright is more important, that, that, that there's others, that the ultimate is more important. So I've got this battle going on and the more I live in the Spirit and the more I seek the desires of God's heart, the more He gives me the things that are really important. That's so powerful. You leave the broad path and you get on the narrow path and the Holy Spirit changes your heart and then the things of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and all those things that John talked about, those aren't as important to you anymore because you're seeking God and what He wants for you. And you're learning to be generous and you're learning to forgive and you're learning to bless people and you're learning to go the extra mile and you're learning to worship God. You're learning to do all those things that God, that Jesus taught us to do. All those weird things that are going to feel weird to you as long as you're normal. But the, more, the longer you're weird, the more you're weird, the more it's going to seem like the right thing. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You made the choice and you made the right choice and you look back and you're like, yeah. The ultimate was so much better than the immediate. I'm going to finish out with um, a song by Katy Perry, believe it or not. I've got to tell you this, um, and no, it's not whatever you're thinking of right now. Okay, It's probably a song that you haven't heard of that she wrote, and, and I want to tell you that ahead of time because the song is going to blow your mind as, as we think about this battle that's going on inside of us and this higher calling that God has called us to. Okay? One last thing, those of you who uh, heard church a long time, those of you who've been around church for a long time, you know that when we talk about the Old Testament, we talk about the patriarchs, and we often talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and who? Jacob. Those are the big three, those were the patriarchs. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can I ask you a question? Who was it supposed to be? See, what we're supposed to say when we talk about the patriarchs is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But Esau traded the ultimate for the immediate. So it's Abraham, Isaac, and the little brother, Jacob. Unbelievable, isn't it? No, it's not unbelievable. It's normal. It's normal. And we're going to be weird. Who are you living for? Who is it that you're making decisions for? What is your bowl of stew? And how are you going to fight it? How are you going to fight this battle and, and wear the crown and, and win this thing? So that the ultimate that you end up with doesn't matter what's gone on in the past. Going forward, life is a bunch of little, million little choices. How are you going to do that? I'm going to give you the opportunity to have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you going to pray right now. We're going to have communion. We're going to give you the opportunity to ask Jesus to come inside of you and gratify the desires of the Spirit and seek first the kingdom of God and seek the desires, desire his heart. And then he will be able to come inside of you and give you the power to be able to make the right choices. You're not going to always make the right choices. Nobody ever did except for Jesus. but He'll give you the power to do it. Let's pray. Lord God, if there are people in this room who have never really figured out who they're living for, let this be their day that they're taking a stand, even, even in their own heart as they decide, I'm going to live for you, God. I'm going to f- take the road less traveled. I'm going I'm to go the narrow way. This is, this is what you're calling me to do, and I believe you're there. Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive my sin, and I'm going to accept you as my Lord and my Savior, and I'm going to live for you. And at the same time, Jesus, we realize as we take communion right now that we know that that, uh, we're not going to be perfect and that we haven't been perfect. And that's why we needed you to come and to die on the cross for us so that whoever believes in you would not perish but have everlasting life. And it's not about being perfectly on the narrow road all the time. It's not about always following the right things because we know we're going to mess up. It's about your grace, your amazing grace. It's about the the fact that you took the punishment for us. Lord, we're going to commune right now, and we ask as we do this, that you will just help us to remember what your desires are. That you'll help us to live in the weird and not the normal. That you'll help us to think about the ultimate and not the immediate. And that starts right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.